Blog Talk Radio. the number one internet sports talk show in the world, along with our affiliate radio stations. Welcome aboard Saturday morning. This is what we do every Saturday morning. Grab your coffee, grab your donuts, grab whatever you got to grab, and put your seatbelt on and keep all hands in the cart to the ride. It's come to a complete stop because we got a roller coaster of a ride today. 917-789-8516 is our digits. Okay, so I made a promise to everybody on social media that we would not be dealing with Antonio Brown. Okay, so we're going to get it out of our system early on here. So we all know what's going on with Antonio Brown, and we're going to move on. You know what? No, we're, we're getting, Next week, we're getting ready to get down to the IndyCar Championship We'll have that uh, next weekend. Uh, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, is unable to join us uh, today. So we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to roll right into week three, college football and NFL. So, you know, bear with me for the for the first half hour, you and me riding solo. And then in the in the second half hour, our, our second second in 30 minutes from now. Uh, our official college football contributor, Rick Riggin, joins us. We're going to be breaking down a lot of games. And one of the big games on the docket today is the Ohio State Buckeyes visits Bloomington, Indiana. Of course, that's the home of Indiana University, my alumni. And uh, we're also going to have superfan Adam on to break down the Buckeyes and the Browns. The Browns. Weren't they supposed to win the Super Bowl? Weren't they supposed to go all and just – weren't we not even supposed to have an NFL season this year because of the Cleveland Browns? Well, as Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, and they got punched in the face last week by the Tennessee Titans. And we're going to get into that also in our NFL segment with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and – SportsIllustrated.com, SI.com. He's going to join us. Of course, he's our official NFL uh, contributor. So we got college football. We got you and me solo for the next. Uh, uh, oh, it's, it's not even a half an hour yet. You get you guys can deal with me uh, for the next twenty minutes or so, and then and then we're going to have Rick Rickon on and Adam on, and I mean life is going to be good again. This too shall pass. 917-889-8516. Stick around. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the balance. 917-889-8516 of the digits. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. You'll pay homage to me for the next two hours as I'm on loan. Well, from God, loanish, maybe. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking some uh, college football today. We're also going to be talking some NFL uh, football with. Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles in Sports Illustrated, SI.com, uh, joins us at the 
uh, in the last segment of the day where I saved the best for last. Uh, of course, normally we would have in in this segment we're gonna we would insert um, uh, Matthew Embry, but Matthew Embry also works for the flagship station WSBT up in South Bend uh, for the uh, uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A lot going on with that. We're gonna get into that in the next half hour though. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame I got some Cowboys coming. But is that really the story? Really? Is that the story? Because they got some Bulldogs just barking, just barking, waiting to get, just just waiting to take a nab out of out of uh, uh, Notre Dame. We're going to be talking with Rick Ricken, our official college football contributor in Notre Dame extraordinaire, uh, to help us understand all of these games, but what, well, yeah, of course we're going to talk about the, um, uh, the, the current uh, Notre Dame game, but the bigger picture is the Georgia picture. And I think that's, that's going to tell a lot. That's going to be a tell, tell, tell sign of, of what's going to happen to Notre Dame in the demise. Uh, if you will, cause we already got, why do we even, we have the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be exciting if we have a playoff. We already know Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Who's going to be that fourth team? We're only going to be talking about who's going to be that fourth team. Notre Dame would love to do that. Now, if they could beat Georgia, we'll have that conversation. If they don't beat Georgia, we're not having that conversation about Notre Dame. We're moving on to another team. But Rick Riggin is going to help us break that down in the next half hour. All right, I promised you on social media that we are done talking about Antonio Brown. We're done. Okay? So, let's get it out of our system. Let's get it let's get it done. Let's have a good cleansing of Antonio Brown. Because until there's something really worth talking about with Antonio Brown, if you want to listen and, and know about Antonio Brown, all you got to do is go online, or go to one of these other shows, or go to one of these other podcasts. But we are officially done talking about Antonio Brown. So let's get it out of our system. We know what has happened. He didn't like being with the Steelers. He didn't like being with the Raiders. Put your conspiracy hats on because, I don't know, tie your knots together it seems kind of ironic that the Patriots tried to trade for Antonio Brown from Oakland, and Oakland said, no, 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 no. Now, all of a sudden, we have all of this stuff happening. Kawinkidink, helmet, feet, all happened after the fact that the New England Patriots said, we'd like to trade for, we'd like to trade. Oakland, and Oakland said, no say, no hokey dokey. John Gruden gang says, hey, we're putting our team together. Maybe, put on your tinfoil hat here, it all just seems just a little bit too convenient that all of this stuff started happening after the fact that New England offered a trade to Oakland. I don't know. Kawinky Dink? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
This was another planned, orchestrated attack on the NFL by the New England Patriots. Put your conspiracy hat on and put the pieces together yourself. None of this stuff with Antonio Brown started happening until there was a trade by New England offered. Antonio Brown did not want to play with the Steelers. <laughs> First of all, we all know what a diva Antonio Brown is. So, it goes deeper. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm looking at the John F. Kennedy conspiracy theories here. So it goes deeper here. We got the the, the grassy knoll, if you will. So it goes a little bit deeper than this. Okay, so now all of a sudden, now now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I have no doubt that these allegations are true with Antonio Brown and this uh, trainer. But I just find it highly convenient that they're exposed, not before – he goes to the Raiders, not during the time that he's 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 at the Steelers, not during the time we're talking about his helmet or his feet or anything. Only after he's traded to the New England Patriots. Again, put on your tinfoil hat here. It's all way too convenient. So if you're New England, you're going to be like Bill Belichick. I've got nothing else to say. His people said we we wish that our statements. We got nothing else to say. Uh, we 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 don't uh, we don't uh, we 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 totally oppose any type of uh, thing that's going on with these allegations. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna justify the character of this show by going into the text. If you watch our social media, I put it up there. It's pretty raunchy stuff. If you want to look it up, go ahead and look it up. So, until there's something more to talk about Antonio Brown, this show is not going to talk about Antonio Brown. You want to listen about Antonio Brown, go to Dan Patrick, go to Colin Cowherd. Certainly go to to Clay Travis. I mean, Clay Travis is a a, a great show. I love him. And so, you know, but he's got a lot to say. In fact, I would encourage you to go listen to Clay Travis, Outkick the Coverage. Go ahead. Just after this show, though, download his podcast. Great show. But I mean, honestly, let's 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 not dominate our NFL talk with Antonio Brown. Let's just not do it. So we're not going to do it. We're going to uh, stand by Steve Wilson, the Speedway Digest, is going to join us. We're going to do a quick recap of some NASCAR here in just a few moments. As soon as he joins us here, uh, I, I, and we'll we'll get him on here in just a minute, and then we'll get into some college football talk. And guess what? The world is moving on without Antonio Brown. So we've, we've drank our cleansed juice. 
We've sat on the toilet for a few minutes here. We have cleansed ourselves from Antonio Brown. Let's move on. And, and move on, we will, on this show. So officially, this is it for Antonio Brown talk. Now, if something breaking happens that's actually news, which very well could happen with uh, the NFL, then we'll, we'll jump right into it. But something way more important than Antonio Brown's on the line now, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, Editor-in-Chief Steve, how are you doing, sir? I don't know if I'm more important than him. Um, I mean, he <laughs> gets, what, like $9 million pay play for the Patriots? <laughs> well, uh, we got all these other stories that are coming out. So I, I, I made a <laughs> promise to my audience on social media that, that we're doing a cleansing of Antonio Brown. No more, No more Antonio Brown talk. I am done talking about Antonio Brown. I want to talk some NASCAR. Last year, last week, I tell you what, and I enjoyed being the privilege of, of helping you be in boots on the ground at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, last weekend for the Brickyard. It was a fun race to watch, and as we put up on on on, on your uh, your site there, SpeedwayDigest.com, first to first, I mean, there was a a father and his daughter, first time she'd ever been to a race, and then there was a guy named Reggie, his his uh, he's been to every single race, every single race there at, at Brickyard and other NASCAR races, but he's a big Bubba Wallace fan. I tell you what, it's unfortunate when I, as I, and I was, I was telling my friend Melissa was with me. I, as we looked across out turn four, what a great race it was. I mean, we had action packed action. Kevin Harvick wins. Uh, we we saw Jimmy Johnson get bumped out, and and you know I listened to his scanner during the uh, the uh, qualifying P5 had a good starting position. All of those stories combined it combined for a good weekend, but because for whatever reason people just like well there's never no passing, there's never no action at uh, Indianapolis with NASCAR, so we're going to stay home. Now they've moved to the date again. But it was disappointing to see the fans not there because if you weren't there and you watched it on television, you know that you missed a really good race out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Steve. Well, you know, unfortunately, I think we're, we're in Indianapolis, and we've seen this just not at Indy, but we've seen it at other places too. Is that, I mean, we all have to come to the realization, even NASCAR is saying this these days, that we understand that people are staying home. And, uh, you know, television ratings are down. Although this year we've had a slight uptick on both. Um, we've seen races where um, more people are coming out to, and uh, we're seeing um, increases both on Fox and NBC. So I think NASCAR is a, 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 it has left the mentality that they're at the highest of high um, as they were in the 90s and early 2000s, and they've now moved on to um, – they have a new base. They have a base that's getting older, so they're out there trying to recruit new fans to not only come to the track but give them a reason to watch on TV. And I think that you know, we we move things around, as you've said, that next year we're moving the traditional Firecracker 400 at Daytona to the end of the season, and that's going to be the last regular season cutoff race um, 
at at Daytona, and we're moving Indy to July 4th. I think a lot of this is, you know, we're we're trying to recruit a new base. We're trying to give a fresh perspective of, to the schedule because a lot of people have continued to say for the last 10 plus years, we go to the same places, we go there at the same time, we never change anything. Well, NASCAR finally listened and said, okay, you say we don't go to the same places, you say we go to the same uh, at the same time every year. Well, let's let's throw this thing uh, a monkey wrench into this thing. Let's start the conversation by moving some of these dates. Let's combine Pocono. Let's do some other things. And in 2021 or 2020, 2021, when, when the track uh, agreement comes to pass, then maybe we can shake this thing up a little bit more. And I think these are all moves that NASCAR is making to not only increase the, the attendance, but also increase the uh, television viewing audience because they're giving them uh, more of a reason to do so. Um, you know, thing, by changing things that sometimes gives an opportunity for people to see something different or think something different is going to happen. And that may well be true, but we've got to get into 2020 and see how that happens. As for Indy, it was a, a crazy race. And I think, uh, you know, we continue to see restart after restart and cautions breed cautions out there and the freak accident by Brad Keselowski sitting on mm-hmm. top of the tire barrier. So, you know, a lot of these things. Which um, was a freaky wreck, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry, which was a freaky wreck, by the way. And and honestly, I texted you right away. I mean, because normally we see drivers get out of the car. I don't mean to divert here, but normally we see drivers get out of the car right away. When I, when the camera went to that angle, we saw uh, the uh, – the, the, I, I think even though the track was monitoredly empty because of, you know, only 50,000 people there, it was still very, very quiet. And we had um, Brad Koloski's uh, a scanner on, not not by design, just happened to have it on, just scanning, and uh, it was nothing. It was dead silence, Brad, 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 and then it was just nothing, nothing. And uh, so you, we were worried at first. I was just like, this is not good. And then he 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 got out of the car, and it was a bunch of smoke. He looked like some sort of superhero coming out. Why? But clearly, him and Eric Jones both were 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 dazed. So you brought that freak accident up, but my gosh, it was scary there for a moment there, uh, uh, Steve. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. No, um, but just to expand upon that is that earlier this week I got a chance to talk to Brad Kozlowski on that particular incident, and he, he's talked to Indianapolis Motor Speedway on that, and he feels that not just there at Indy, but at the road courses too, where where you use tire barriers in places that they have not placed uh, soft wall or safer walls. Um, he feels that. Um, he would like to see an evolution or a revolution into this where these tire barriers are replaced with so, uh, soft walls. And in doing so, he understands that some of these walls are not of the most optimal shape to place these safer barriers. So he would like to see these walls redesigned in some of these places so that it could accept uh, the safer barrier. Uh, especially on some of these places that they are impacting at. And not only that, but you also look at Landon Castle there at there at uh, uh, Indianapolis too. I mean, he slammed that outside wall very, very hard. That it, it, it hit the wall so hard that it crumpled the roof deck uh, on the car. So that's a major impact. 
and we saw Landon Castle get out of the car. So, um, you know, the, the safety is improving in the sport, and there's room to improve, as there always is. And, and NASCAR and the tracks recognize this, and, you know, the, the drivers have the opinion, uh, their opinions of where they would like to see this stuff happen, and I think that, you know, he brings up a valid point. Well, absolutely, and we we got we only got just a limited amount of time here because we're going to jump into uh, uh, some uh, college uh, football stuff. But let's talk about Jimmy Johnson for a second. I, you know, what a disappointment that that it was for him. And and as he talked to us there in the media center uh, after after the uh, the race on Sunday. It, 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 bottom line is he and he shouldn't have to take ownership for it, but maybe he does because he's the he's the he's the driver. Of, of he's the driver of the 48 car there, but he said they shouldn't have been in this situation to begin with. There's a lot of things that led up to this and they felt good about the qualifying position. P five, again, going back to Rex there at Indianapolis. And, and, and I don't know. I just think that, that Indianapolis is a, is a good track. It was, of course it was not designed for stock car racing, but the point is, it's Indianapolis. It's not going to go away. The fans need to go support that. But at the same time, as, as as Jimmy said, it shouldn't have came down to Indianapolis, whether or not we are or not in the playoffs. And it was the first time he's missed the playoffs ever. How big of a picture are we seeing here with Jimmy Johnson? Are we seeing – because Jimmy Johnson is used to being successful at the highest level. And if he can't be successful at the highest level, maybe he himself, not that the not that the the team or anybody else is pushing him out, but maybe he himself will do some self-reflection and say, if I can't do it at the highest level, I don't want to do it. Are we seeing the the outskirts of the retirement of Jimmy Johnson? I think so. Um, I'm not here to try and start any rumors because. I, I, I don't know factually one way or the other, but just from my perspective of things is that you look like, you know, Lowe's left the team, uh, Ally, and Ally came on board for two years, um, this year and next year. Um, that gave some speculation as to the fact of, you know, that, you know, this may be the waning years of Jimmy Johnson's career in the Cup Series. Jimmy, for his effort, he has a lifetime contract at, Hendrick Motorsports, just like Jeff Gordon did, and he will leave that 48 car when Jimmy Johnson wants to leave the 48 car. So from my perspective of it all is that, yes, I I, I do think, you know, obviously Jimmy is in his 40s. We've got other drivers in their 40s. Jimmy Johnson didn't win this year. Jimmy Johnson had a lot of problems this year. He had Chad Canals. Uh, which had been his longtime crew chief, shifted over to the 24 car. He got a new crew chief. Uh, that didn't seem to make it any better. Um, and I guess, you know, Jimmy Johnson has to be looking at some other drivers out there. You you look at uh, you, you look at Kevin Harvick, who won. He's in his 40s, and he's still going out there. And I know there was speculation early on in the season as to when he was going to go to victory lane. But 
you know, here he is. He went to victory lane three times this year. Denny Ham was near his 40s. He's in his late 30s. He went to victory lane multiple times this year. So, you know, I think in, in, in totality of it all is that I do, yes, I do think that, you know, at some point Jimmy, jo- uh, Jimmy Johnson in the next handful of years is going to retire. I, I think that we can probably just go ahead and say that for you know, for a, a fact, because he's he's not the kind of person that's just going to hang on and hang on and hang on and drive around in the middle and drive around in the back and not be competitive. I, he he's very he's very smart and he's very self uh, uh, aware as to the fact of where he stands in the series. I think he's very physically fit and and for to to go out there and race these cars. I think he, the demand of these cars that that's not the problem. The problem I think here is is that the base, I mean, not the the drivers in this sport starting are starting younger and younger than they ever have before. Jimmy Johnson didn't get in a car until he was, you know, somewhere around his teens or something like that. I mean, he had raced go karts and you know off and on like motorbikes, things like that. But you know, he started his career much later than a lot of other drivers do today, which start off in go karts at five, six years old. They're they are so competitive that by the time that they get to the trucks or even to the Xfinity series, that they've surpassed some of these older drivers didn't didn't start until later in their career. Which means by the time they get to the Cup series, they are so competitive that the competition level um, is just not by a handful of drivers anymore. It's a it's a half a field or more of drivers that are competitive on a week to week basis. And, you know, not to say that Jimmy Johnson isn't competitive because he is. He's very competitive. I just think that the talent level in the sport continues to explode exponentially every year that passes. And for every driver that starts younger and younger, the talent just explodes by the time that they are cultivated and they do come up into the Cup Series. All right, well, we've got to get to the final word here, and that's Las Vegas this weekend. Going to be an exciting race underneath the lights. Obviously, uh, I think Xfinity is tonight. Uh, you can probably help me out with the schedule on this, but Las Vegas, uh, talk with us about Vegas, and uh, we got to call it a day, sir. <laughs> well, Las Vegas, they're going to start on this track when it's very, very hot out there. It's going to be a 7 o'clock race here on the East Coast. So uh, they're they're going to be late afternoon by the time they kick these cars off. So they're going to have a transitional effect where these cars are going to start off on a hot, slick racetrack. And as the track cools down, they're going to get much tighter. Uh, so these drivers, these teams are going to have to be mindful of that fact. Um, who's going to go out there and win? Um I, you know, I'm 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 saying Brad Kozlowski, or I'm going to say Kyle Busch is going to go to victory lane tomorrow night. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. I appreciate you jumping on and joining us. I wish we could have to, some more time with you, but we're moving into football season, so we got we got to just cram everything in. You know, it's like one of those those move everything in together but i do appreciate being able to be boots on the ground at the indianapolis motor speedway look forward to uh the continuation of this year's uh, nascar series it's hard to believe that uh, that we're almost to the end of it and we're of course we're to the end of, of indycar where can people find your work and masterpieces sir you can find us on Twitter at Speedway Digest, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. And by the way, tonight, Florida State is going to walk all over UVA. 
we're gonna get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll make a we'll make a point of having that conversation when when we get back from break with Rick Riggin, our official uh, college football contributor. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Stephen. You have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. All right, thanks. <laughs> Steve Wilson, by the way, he, he's a big. Uh, uh, Florida State Seminole fan, and we'll 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 honor that here in just a moment. We we'll get back for break. We'll talk with Rick Riggin, uh, our official college football contributor. Also, oh, Adam, a super fan, going to be joining us. We're talking about the Ohio State University uh, visiting Bloomington, Indiana this weekend. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. 
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Cold open.
my my dogs are a workout in in themselves. Before we get into Ohio State, though, let's talk a little bit about Notre Dame. Notre Dame, uh, st- you know, do we really care about New Mexico? New Mexico Lobos coming to Notre Dame. Let's talk about that game. Let's get it out of our system. I think what everybody wants to talk about, Rick, and that's the Georgia game. You guys got to win this game. Uh, break down Notre Dame Fighting Irish this weekend. You got your host in the New Mexico. I said Cowboys earlier. I don't know why I said that because the other New Mexico team, I think, is the Cowboys, but it's the Lobos. Sorry, my fault. You, you know how I am about these mascots. I, I get some of them <laughs> right. I'm 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 sixty forty on it sometimes. But Notre Dame Fighting Irish, what say you, sir? Well, New Mexico State is actually the Aggies, but hey. Close enough. What a, isn't there a isn't there a isn't there a Cowboys out there in New Mexico? Or am I thinking about? Uh, I don't know. You might be thinking no, about I'm Wyoming. I'm thinking but, about uh, Oklahoma. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about Oklahoma. My bad. Go and ahead. Wyoming. And Wyoming. You're right, Adam. All right. I'm no longer well, allowed anyway, to talk about mascots. Uh, Go ahead. I know that Notre Dame is the Aries. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I, I'm going to tell you why this game is important today. Uh, it. Everybody thinks they're going to use it as a warm-up for Georgia next week, kind of just like a practice game. But that's like where the problem is because they almost got tripped up by Ball State last year at home. And at Alice, I was actually at that game. That was just an eight-point win against Ball State when we was favored by like 28 points. Well, today is a similar situation, favored by 34-and-a-half. Uh, we're not going to win by 34-and-a-half. So anybody listening and wondering – where to place their bets, they're not going to cover that spread. And the reason why is because of Georgia next week. Brian Kelly's not that kind of coach. He's not going to embarrass a team, for one. Number two, he's going to go up by three scores, three touchdowns, and then pull the starters and not risk injury in a meaningless game. Well, it's not a meaningless game, but he's not going to risk injury to starters just to put put up a couple more touchdowns on New Mexico today when Georgia's coming up next week. So they're not going to cover today, but – they're not going to have any problems either. It's not going to be a repeat of the uh, Ball State game from last year. Well, I can tell you one thing. If you want to put some money down, you can now do it legally here in the state of Indiana and other states. Uh, so uh, a lot of sports betting uh, things are popping up uh, across the state. Out of Jividen, what are your thoughts about Notre Dame fighting Irish this weekend? I'm obviously looking forward to the big game that everybody in the world is going to be watching, and that's against Georgia. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing that, that Notre Dame is going to be wanting to do is is just keep it keep it as vanilla a game plan as possible. Um, yeah, not not let the the ball state uh, hangover for like like what happened last year happen this year. You know, just uh, put them away early. Your goal in this game is put them away early. Don't have to get anything on tape and and get back healthy. Like that's. That's what you're looking for when you are severely outclassing an opponent, uh, especially one that now Notre Dame doesn't have obviously a conference, but not a marquee matchup. Your goal is just to get in there and take care of business and get out. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. No, you're 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 absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Well, guys, you know I, it's, it may not be the the game of the week, but let's just say that it's deja vu for the Hoosier. Last, we're, we are in a, we have a quarterback controversy again. Uh, so uh, it looks like that we're going to have, it doesn't, I mean, uh, to my, to, to my knowledge anyway, it does, it doesn't look like that 
that um, uh, Michael Penix even practiced this week. If that's the case, he's not going to start. And that's a pretty big thing. But you know what? IU needs to have a solid QB uh, underneath center and ready to go. And it doesn't seem like Michael Penix is ready for the job. I have not heard the official announcement from Indiana University yet, but it doesn't look like they're going to be the quarterback. Uh, we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, of course, your Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's get it. Let's let's let you just let's just let you just spew it out. You know how like you pop a pimple and all the stuff comes out. I'm popping the pimple right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Uh, let us let us have it with the Ohio State Buckeyes at Indiana Hoosiers. You know, I, I think this year's Ohio State team is – this is probably the most well-balanced team we've had since the team that won the national title in 2014. Um, to have a, a superstar already, sophomore quarterback in Justin Fields, um, and a host of weapons, whether it's running back J.K. Dobbins or the stacked receiver room uh, with K.J. Hill and Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack, uh, freshman sensation Garrett Wilson to uh, Ru- Jeremy Ruckert at tight end to a really good offensive line with five dudes that will probably all be on NFL rosters at minimum. Several of them could be high draft picks to a vastly improved defense. You know, last year the question everybody was asking that was an Ohio State fan was, was the problem the talent or was the problem the scheme and Greg Schiano? And I think the answer was, the question was answered really quickly. The problem is Greg Schiano and scheme. Uh, the same dudes are out there and they're flying around. They're making plays. They're getting turnovers that we didn't get last year. And they're anchored by uh, arguably the best defensive end and the best corner in the country in Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda. You couple that with Ryan Day's new offensive scheme. Uh, we, we saw glimpses of it last year. Um, Nothing was wrong with what Urban Meyer ran. I just think college football caught up to it, and he didn't really adjust. Um, Day has them attacking north-south rapidly, and this is what's scary. As good as Dwayne Haskins was, and the dude set every single season Big Ten record that exists, Justin Fields might be a better fit. So, I mean, I'm looking at this, and I'm like – I don't see any way that, that Ohio State doesn't win by 21-plus if they just show up um, and, and do, again, just like Notre Dame, do what you came to do. Now, obviously, it's the first road game, um, which can always have some issues, but Bloomington, we call Bloomington Columbus West uh, because it's so <laughs> And Ohio State fans will show up in droves. But, I mean, I, I really think this is one of those games where um, Ohio State just lays the hammer down. But for IU fans, they can also not be uh, – they'll be able to look back and go, you know what, it could have been a lot worse, especially by the end of the season, when most likely Ohio State sitting again – king of the conference one loss maybe um to to, to an undefeated record and i use probably going to score 17 or so points which is a lot more than cincinnati last week uh who got shut out and they won 11 games last year i mean this ohio state team is just it's already firing rapidly ahead of schedule um 
But I, I think IU is going to put up a heck of a fight. If there's one thing that Tom Allen and his squads never do is they never give up. Uh, and that's one of the, I think, the most admirable things. I mean, one of the things I like most about their coaching staff is that their kids, pl- they play hard. Um, and you can't say that about every coach when, he, when they're not at, at elite level programs. A lot of programs, when they know that they're going to get outclassed, they, they, don't, they don't show the same amount of fight as, as a, for a game that they, that they feel like they have a shot at winning. You know, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, and, and we're going we're to go here to Rick Rickett, our official uh, college football contributor. Today, 12 o'clock, IU uh, opens up their Big Ten season with Ohio State. As, as Adam mentioned, I mean, it's going to be a packed house. Unfortunately, it's going to be a good mixture between uh, IU and Ohio State. It's like a home game for Ohio State, if you will. But it's also uh, there's so many red. So much red out there, we could convince ourselves that that they're all IU fans. Uh, Ryan Day, obviously uh, new to the uh, to the coaching arena, obviously he uh, filled in for Urban Meyer, did a good job for Urban Meyer in for Urban Meyer during his suspension, and now he's the full time coach. Uh, Tom Allen is, is is there, so let's break down this game by the X's and O's. That's your job, Rick. Rick and go. Yeah, X's and O's wise, I don't see anything uh, this year anyway. I know we want to look back at the past two times Ohio State's came to Bloomington, and IU kind of hung around for a half and got the crowd into it, and then it ends up being you know a pretty nice blowout for Ohio State. I kind of see that again. I don't see IU kind of hanging around the first half this year, though. I don't see how they hold up defensively because Adam's right. Uh, IU uh, Ohio State is uh, they're scary good. They really are. You thought there would be some sort of drop off after Urban Meyer leaving? Uh, I don't think so. I actually think they look better now. And for the adjustments and for the reasons Adam talked about, changing the scheme, changing defensive schemes and mindset, uh, doing things differently on offense. Uh, with Ryan Day in, now Ohio State's running some schemes that other teams can't prepare for because they haven't seen it yet, and they have a ton of athletes. And that's what it all comes down to, is athletes on the field is actually going to dictate the game. IU does not have those four- or five-star athletes that Ohio State just runs in and out, you know, with their depth chart. They can switch out their lines with more than four- or five-star athletes on the second string. IU can't compete with that. I don't see this being uh, close at all today, even though the last couple of years, the past couple of games there in Bloomington, it's been, you know, kind of exciting, I guess. It's not going to be that way today. Big win for Ohio State. Big waiver, Ohio State. You know what? I love how everybody just discounts my Hoosiers. I'm going to be loyal. I'm I'm an IU alumni. I'm an IU fan. I'm a super fan like Adam is with Ohio State. I'm going to be loyal. Even though I, I know I got my blinders on here, and you guys, everything you're saying is probably correct. But I'm going to – you know what? I'm, I'm just going to pretend that uh, that IU is Illinois, and I mean that Ohio State is Illinois, and it's going to happen. You're just going to have faith, right? Uh, Adam, come on now. You, 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 you're uh, in your uh, other life. I know that you're a pastor, so you know faith as small as a mustard seed. So that's all we got to have, right? Right, Adam. Just, a, just a little faith, right? It, 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 I would say it works like that in everyday life. Um, unfortunately, the football field does not always apply. <laughs> she go against. I mean, the we, we didn't, we didn't see. We we didn't see the meltdown happening with Ohio State against Purdue last year. I mean, maybe it's in some strange like college football universe that is parallel to ours that could happen today. 
But I, I don't I don't see that happening. I and mean, we didn't see us coming against Purdue last year. Maybe you can hang your hat on that Purdue game, Ohio State and Purdue, and some scenario happening where that happens today. I don't see that meltdown coming. I think uh, Ohio State is pretty <laughs> legit this year. <laughs> so, Adam, what, Adam, what you're saying is when you preach on faith, you say at the very beginning, everything I'm about to say about faith, throw out the window when it comes to Ohio State and Indiana. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Um, I would say you could kind of you you could if it's if it's based off of your if Tom if you're suiting up for the Hoosiers today, you know maybe it's a different story. But um, <laughs> I I think like in pointing to last year with the, with the Purdue game, even though a lot of people didn't see it coming, um, Ohio State was like we showed cracks on our defense every game. You know every game even in week one uh, in week two there were huge chunk plays that, that were being picked up with ease by, uh, by, by, by opponents that don't have even the talent level of a guy like a Rondale Moore. I, I don't, that's not happening. Um, I think we've, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I am pretty sure we're in the top five in uh, run defense and, um, just haven't given up hardly any chunk plays. I think we've only given up uh, my, I believe it's three plays of 20 yards or more in two games. That's just, it's entirely different than last year. And that's where I think from a, from a talent and from a coaching perspective, this staff is doing a significantly better job. I was actually talking to my dad this week and a, and a lot of us, that are Ohio State fans here and, and, and in Columbus and all over the country really feel like when Greg Schiano did not get that Tennessee job, he just phoned it in last year. Um, he collected a paycheck and he knew he was leaving and off he went. And then we saw what happened in the offseason when he signed up to be, you know, defensive coordinator of the Patriots. And then two weeks later, uh, reports come out that he's got some stuff going on in his personal life and he quit. So, I mean, I just think that, that the, the, the staff that we have, you know, we bring in Jeff Halfley from the NFL, take Greg, bring Greg Madison and Al Washington back home from that team up north. It's been a huge difference just defensively. That was the thing is I think nobody was concerned about how Ryan Day was going to do offensively. The dudes, uh, I think that, uh, 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 the next, one of the next great offensive minds, um, but the question was, how are we going to do defensively? And, and that's where when Ohio State is defensively sound coupled with that offense, I think you're staring playoffs. And that's the way that, 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 that everyone that, that dons the scarlet and gray is looking at it this year. Well, we got a lot of games to get to, and we mentioned Purdue, so let's get this off our cuff here so we can get on to these other top 25 games. Uh, TCU, the Horned Frogs. I, I, see, I knew that one. I knew that one because that one sticks out to me. I knew the bo- <laughs> I know the Boilermakers. But the Horned Frogs uh, uh, visit West Lafayette uh, uh, tonight at 730. Uh, Purdue, I mean, they just got to win just to just – uh, just to stay relevant in conversation, which they are not in the Big Ten at this point, Rick. Yeah, it's like a repeat of last year. They started like 0-5 or 0-6 or something, and they got that big win against Ohio State and actually finished strong for the season. Uh, I don't know what the gig is because I figured Jeff Brom was, uh, you know, he was in line for the Louisville job. So uh, it, 
is a problem with him because uh, Purdue should not be coming off to the uh, getting off these starts like this. I mean, at one time back in the Kyle Orton and Drew Brees days, uh, Purdue was a, a pretty formidable team, formidable team, and I don't know what's happened between now and then, but uh, it, 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 it all comes down to coaching. Maybe Brom isn't just the guy. All right, guys, let's get into these top 25 games, and we'll start uh, with today's uh, game. Uh, nothing more than an, a, a preseason game, if you will, by, by all intents and purposes, even though it's a regular season game. Uh, Arkansas State visits number three, Georgia. Big uh, game that uh, a lot of people are watching with Georgia, but I don't think this is anything to talk about. Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, Arkansas State visiting the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, it, it's typical SEC you know, they'll schedule one big game and then complete and utter cupcakes the rest of the way. Georgia rolls. Rick, we know that's to be true, but any thoughts on this game? Yeah, and they're going to use the same formula. Notre Dame is going to use today against New Mexico, get the starters in, just get them some uh, practice reps, basically go up three or four scores, pull the starters out, don't risk any injuries for the uh, game next week between Georgia and Notre Dame. Rick, you know, you're a Notre Dame guy. You're a Notre Dame extraordinaire. Uh, no, no bones about that. But you know that Notre Dame has to beat Georgia. How's that happen? Uh, it's got to be great defense. Uh, great defense, really. Uh, I, I'm not so concerned about the offense in a way. Uh, we do need to get the downfield passing game going against Georgia. That way, uh, Georgia will soften up the box on us, not overload the box. Just, we need to get a running game going. But defensively, we have to stop. Uh, Jake Fromm, we got to stop Swift. Uh, we got to contain one or the other. We can't let both run wild on us. So that is how they, they get it done in Athens next week. So I'll give you my prediction next week. Adam, are you going to be able to stick around with us for another 30? Yep, I'm good, Tom. All right, well, let's just roll on into this, and we'll uh, catch up on our breaks at the bottom of the hour. Hey, uh, Adam, uh, Pittsburgh and Penn State, uh, in-state rivalry. Obviously, uh, Penn State's in the top 25, ranked number 23. But Pitt always plays – it's it's like IU and Purdue. You just throw out the, the record book. It doesn't really matter. They always have a, a good game. And I don't expect today to be any different, Pitt's, uh, Pitt at, uh, Penn, at Penn State. You know, I, I expect – um, like you said, I think it's going to be really – I think it'll be a tight game. I think Penn State's going to maybe pull away a little bit at the end for a, a clean double-digit victory. Um, Penn State's a really solid roster. Their primary concern is is that quarterback position. But they're deep uh, pretty pretty well across the board. I kind of – I don't know where to, to slot them in the Big Ten East this year, um, primarily just because they haven't played Big Ten competition yet. I I'm not sure who's fitting in that two, three, four spot, especially the way that Maryland absolutely blitzed Syracuse last week. So, I mean, I, I don't know where they fit, but I think it's going to be a, a tight game somewhere, probably like a 24, I think low scoring, probably too, like a 24, maybe not even double jit win, 24, 17, something like that. No, I absolutely agree. Rick, I tell you what, he mentioned Maryland and I tell you what, Maryland and they're winning against Syracuse, and, and they're in the top 25 now. Uh, do, are we having serious conversations about these turtles? Well, just right there when you were uh, just bringing me in on this topic, they they just scored another touchdown. So I, I think they uh, – I don't know. They're going to hit that Big Ten schedule, and then we're really going to find out about them. You know, it, they beat Texas the past two years. You know, of course, they didn't play them this year. Uh 
even game day uh, last week, the Texas LSU game, everybody had signs for Texas saying, we want Maryland, because uh, for some reason, Texas can't beat Maryland. So uh, they might be legit. New head coach, uh, we'll see when they hit that Big Ten schedule. And back to the uh, Pitt and Penn State game, uh, what sticks out to me is how the landscape of college football has changed over this past, like, 10 years. Because that Pitt-Penn State game used to be, like, the last game of the year for both schools. That used to be called the backyard brawl. And now we're doing it in week three. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, already championship games don't matter, but now these rivalry games are starting to pop up that don't matter. And I think that kind of sucks for college football. Uh, we can do away with the conference championship games. They don't matter worth spit. But these rivalry games like this do kind of have meaning. And to play this game during week three just kind of shows you how the landscape of college football has changed. Guys, let's get it over with. We know every week we've got to talk about Bama, and Bama last week just had a total domination. I think we we're 53-0, to zero. not even worth talking about that game. But I find it interesting this week they've got the Gamecocks, Rick. And really, seriously, I mean, they're not the top 25 team, and, and are we, are we, are we going to say over and under they're going to – but I'm going to tell you what, if you're betting on the spread, I would certainly, uh, I would certainly say that South Carolina could cover. And you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I think South Carolina has what it takes to beat Alabama, but that's not a reality. But I think you know, what, I, what I mean by it, it's not a reality. I, I think they have everything and all the talent on their roster to win. They just nobody can figure out how to beat Alabama. But Bama and the Gamecocks today of South Carolina is going to be a good game. Well, you have to look back to week one of South Carolina. They couldn't beat Mac Brown his first year in, at North Carolina. They lost to North Carolina. Uh, it's it's going to be ugly today. I know it's an SEC game, but South Carolina's kind of a cupcake team anymore. You know, they got Will Muschamp's the head coach. I mean, he's not head coach material anywhere he shows up at. So, uh, I don't know what the spread is, but uh, I think Bama covers that pretty easily. It's like seven, I think. I, last time time I checked, it's not <laughs> – it's not it's anything major. I could, yeah. uh, that's well, what I'm trying to say. They're probably going to win by 37. <laughs> Adam, what are your thoughts? I mean, are we overthinking this Alabama-South Carolina game? Because I think a lot of people think South Carolina can give uh, uh, the elephants a run. I know, I said elephants, but roll, roll tide, whatever the heck, uh, a run for their, for their money. You know, uh, Will Muschamp, I don't understand how this dude gets a head coach. I, I, I can throw a better X's and O's game plan together than that dude. He's a, he's a doof. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Alabama, this is what's so frustrating is, you know, all we hear is the dominance of the SEC. The SEC has three good teams, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. And the rest of them are just average. The Big Ten this year is the deepest league and doesn't get remotely the amount of credit for it. Um, Alabama wins, wins handily. They just don't have – I mean, how are they going to match up with – how is South Carolina going to match up with Alabama's passing attack? You know, it's just – I think they hang a couple on on them early. Even if South Carolina had the talent, their coach is not going to know what to do with it. So, I think Alabama wins pretty handily. No, I think you're absolutely right. But I think that 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 everybody there's a lot of there's been a lot of chatter uh, across the national media this week about this game and that now uh, South Carolina could definitely do it. So I, I'm interested to see the game. I'll be watching it as I'm smoking my meat. 
Rick, let's talk a little bit about number 24 <laughs> USC and BYU. I mean, yeah, I'm going to make some world-famous pulled pork. That's right. Uh, today. But uh, USC, sounds pretty good, man. <laughs> that's right. Of course, dude. It's me, man. World-famous. Everything I make is world-famous. Number 24 USC at BYU. What say you? See how well, Ryan JT Daniels good, goes down. <laughs> JT Daniels goes down at quarterback yeah, for USC to think the season's over. Then uh, who's the uh, the freshman or redshirt freshman? The Slovich, Slovich, that is his last name, comes in and just dominates. It's, a, it's one uh, of those USC names. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they look like world beaters with him at quarterback. So we're going to see how they do against BYU. It's a pretty, uh, pretty good opponent. You know, they bring your new quarterback in and play against, you know, somebody. But uh, uh, if he could pass it, Dish it out like you did last week. I think it's a, probably a double-digit win for USC. Adam, I'm going to throw it on you again because I think Stanford could beat UCF today, even though they're a number 17 team. And I tell you what, look for Stanford to get into the top 25 at some point this year. Uh, Stanford, uh, UCF, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, Stanford, a, a lot of their thought, a lot of their hopes this year just ride on how good is KJ Costello. You know, there's a lot of talks that he could potentially work his way up to being a, a, a first round draft pick potentially this year. And then he goes out and gets he, he, he gets hurt in the Northwestern game. Um, I know there was talk that he could be back this year. In in college, you know, he, they don't disclose any freaking injury list, so. He may play this week. He might have to wait until next week. If KJ Costello is there, I think Stanford can beat UCF. Without him, man, that's tough sledding. Um, uh, I I think that uh, you know they're they're breaking in um, new running backs, um, some new receivers. Stanford's very deep um, at the tight end position, and they have. Um, a really, really good secondary. Uh, the question is just going to be, is Stanford going to be able to score enough points if Costello is not on the field? And that's the, that's the big question. Um, I think if Costello plays, Stanford pulls the upset, gets back into the top 25 next week. Without Costello, I think UCF wins in a fairly close game, 7 to 10 points. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. Do you concur, sir? Well, talk about quarterbacks. Uh, you know all about UCF's quarterback situation. Mackenzie Milton breaks his leg in, right. in like 90 spots yep. last year, and his like career's basically done. Then his backup comes in, looks pretty good. And then the spring ball this year, he tore his ACL out for the season. UCF brings in Brandon Wimbush from Notre Dame, and these first two games, UCF's looked unstoppable. But now Wimbush is hurt. He's actually a game time decision today, so they might be playing Brandon Wimbush at quarterback, or they might be rolling out a. Uh, a, a, a freshman. So it all comes down to UCS quarterback situation today. I, I see half and half, 50 50. Wimbush is playing. He's not going to play. Uh, it's Stanford. So UCF really needs Wimbush because uh, Wimbush has experience against Stanford. So if they play Wimbush, I think UCF actually wins easily because I don't think uh, Stanford is uh, it, really all that good. They're not a top 25 team this year. They're actually going to take a step back because they're in the, in the uh, rebuild. They're in a re- rebuilding mode. So, uh, I, I don't – if Wimbush plays, it, it's probably a, a double-digit win by UCF. No, you're absolutely right. And I think everybody knows that UCF is going to be in a bowl somewhere. 
And, you know, we're still early in the season, man. We've had conversations about UCF being in the playoffs time and time and time again over the last couple of years. And we're still going to have that conversation this year. So UCF is a very, very good team. Rick, let's go back to to the Big Ten. Arizona State hosts – I mean, I'm sorry, Michigan State hosts Arizona State. Uh, The the Spartans – I. I, I, I don't see that there's a lot to talk about this, but I mean, certainly a lot more to talk about this game than the than the Michigan game, and and I want to get into that Army game here in, in just a minute after this, but because it, it did remind me that that was on my notes to to talk about because we talked about the Army game last week, but first let's get you the Michigan State Arizona State game. Michigan State is just going to uh, check off a box this weekend. Well, that's what everybody thought last week or last year too. But uh, Arizona State actually beat Michigan State, uh, so mm-hmm. now can Michigan State return to favor this year? I think so. They're at home this year, so Michigan State's always one of those boring teams every year that everybody sleeps on, and then at the end of the year they have ten wins somehow. You know, it, it, it's crazy just what Mark D'Antonio does with that team every single year. It's a bunch of guys you never heard of and probably never will hear of since Le'Veon Bell played at Michigan State. But uh, somehow they always get it done every year. I know they were kind of in, in a rebuilding mode last year, but I do think they they get it done. I don't know if it's easily because Michigan State's kind of one of those swallow-the-clock-down type teams, but I think they get it done this year against Arizona State. So one of my favorite teams to talk about, Adam, is Army. Obviously, I was in the Army. I didn't play for Army, I, although I could have. I could have been a star quarterback for Army, but I chose to go a different route. <laughs> but, hey, I tell you what, Army, I, I've been following Army for a good number of years, and, and, and uh, I, 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 I watch them almost as much as I watch IU. And Colts, I'm a big Army fan. It doesn't matter who they're playing. But I can tell you one thing about Army. They have not changed their offense since black and white reel-to-reel tape uh, has been in existence. If you cannot prepare for Army, what is wrong with you? And I know you love to hate on Michigan, so let's get let's let's let let's let this roll. First of all, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, you know what kind of offense you you were prepping. And honestly, the rare occasion that you see a fumble. From Army, and we talked about this to how disciplined that team is, and to 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 capitalize that that's how you win on, on a on a turnover. I was out at the track. I was counting on Rick to help me out a little bit because I was out at the track doing double duty. Uh, but Michigan almost puked it away to Army, and I, nothing against Army because God knows everybody knows I love I love the Knights. But I mean, if you can't prepare offensively for Army. What is wrong with you? But the thing about it is Michigan every year has that one team that is kind of like the, the – and they haven't played Army. Oh, well, they haven't played Army in so many years. Well, Army hasn't changed anything in, 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 in since Fred Blundstone. Adam, what are your thoughts about that game? Um, I, I actually circled that game in May and was like, this game is primed for an upset. Uh, I have no idea why that team of North is so heavily overrated 
every year. And Notre Dame fans are probably. You said that team up north. He can't even bring himself to say the name of the team. I love it. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, Ohio State fans are not allowed. Ohio State fans are not allowed to say the word Michigan. They are not allowed. Honestly, you talk to any Ohio State fan, and that is what it's called, that team up north. I love it. Go ahead, Adam. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I think I think Notre Dame fans would agree with me uh, that that every year Jim Harbaugh and his squad they get pumped up by ESPN, they get pumped up by CBS, and you look at the roster and you go, who is better? And and, and I don't Shea Patterson, average quarterback. They've got some good receivers, but he can't get them the ball. They lost their top three running backs, so they're giving it to a kid that was recruited at fullback. Uh, they lost a ton of their defense, including uh, a, a couple of guys that were their heart and soul in Winovich and Rashawn Gary and um, what's his name that was drafted by the Steelers, uh, the, the linebacker. I, I, I mean, every year it's the same thing with Harbaugh. Oh, this is the year they break through. Please. Harbaugh is running the same offense that they ran in 1972 with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and he thinks that it's going to work. So I, I, got a, I got one very simple answer for you, Jim. 52-39. That's it. <laughs> we were going to boat race him again this year in Ann Arbor. He's going to drop to 5-0. and And I think Notre Dame is going to beat the crap out of him too. I think Michigan might be the fourth best team in the Big Ten East. I mean, if I'm looking at it right now, it's Ohio State 1, Penn State, Maryland are a toss-up between 2-3, and I think I think uh, the Spartans are fighting with the Wolverines for 4-5. and five. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a dogfight to the bottom, but their pompous arrogance makes them think that this is still 100 years ago and they're still king of the mountaintop. Well, you haven't been king of the mountaintop since I was in diapers. <laughs> Rick, you cannot talk that. Uh, and and we, we're going to get into it. I'll tell you what, at, at some point, Jim Harbaugh is going to be put in on, on the hot seat. But we've got to go. we got to move on. Another in-state rivalry happened today. Uh, number 10, Iowa against Iowa State. I, I don't think the Hawkeyes are going to have much of a problem with the Cyclones, but it's going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, uh, boring football, but should be pretty good to watch, I guess. Yeah, at the same time, it should be competitive. I think Iowa gets the win, and uh, Michigan's got to do something quick here because they got Wisconsin coming to town next week, Notre Dame in a month, and then, of course, at the end of the year, Ohio State. So uh, I watched that game last week against Army, uh, not to take any away from Iowa, Iowa State, but uh, that game came down to a play in the third quarter that would have won Army the game, and they marched right down the field, got inside the five-yard line, and got away from the triple option for one play. Instead of just running their offense, they tried a passing play from inside the five. If they would just kept running the triple option and got to the end zone, would have put them up by two touchdowns. But instead, inside the five, they throw the ball, and it gets picked off. And that, to me, kind of determined the rest of the game. So they could have went up by two touchdowns, Tom, but they uh, instead of running the triple option, they go for a pass inside the five, which is totally un-Army-like. But uh, – what Are you that? talking about the Army Michigan game? Not, you're not talking about Army Ohio Iowa State, right? You're talking about yeah, Army Michigan. No, 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 no. I, I'm talking okay. Army Michigan right. last week. So that, that's get, what that game came down to. Army. You, you, pull, 
You pulled a sweater on me there. Iowa. So. I know you want to talk Iowa, Iowa State, but I didn't get my shot in the Army of Michigan, so I'm <laughs> I'm giving you that. <laughs> it's all good. Let's let's move on into the top twenty-five because we got to do that, and we only got a few minutes left before we move into our NFL segment. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll try to get through all of these, and we'll get as much as we can. And we're just going to kind of do the recap, and we'll just rotate uh, between all uh, between the t- us, and we'll just try to get as many as we can. And uh, Virginia, uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Adam, on Virginia top twenty-five? Uh, there's another ACC school that's decent. I'll wait till the end of this year to determine if Clemson's going to play a single-ranked team. Rick, Southern California, what say you? I think Southern Cal gets the win. Uh, I think that new quarterback, that freshman quarterback, Slovich, Slovich, I don't even know what his last name is, one of the two, uh, looked pretty <laughs> good. And sorry to Steve Wilson, but I think Virginia does get the uh, the win against Florida State also. Adam, we look at the uh, Washington uh, the state of Washington uh, Huskies. I think I probably mixed that up because there's a couple Washington mascots I always mess up, but I think I got it right. But nonetheless, I know when it comes to bowl games, we they, the the committee just seems to snub uh, Washington every single year. Well, I, I mean Washington did. I think the Pac-12 may already be eliminated from the playoff. I, I mean, they're eliminated the before team? the season ever starts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this year's Pac-12 is just not strong uh, at, at all. I mean, uh, I think wish I think I think Washington bounces back, but I I mean, at this point you're just kind of going, well, they're just at this point everybody's maybe fighting for the Rose Bowl. Rick Boise State. <clears throat> uh, well, I mean. They got a good win last week. I think they continue that this week. Uh, yeah, the the Pac-12 is, is pretty much done. Uh, your best teams now are Utah and USC, both undefeated. Oregon was supposed to be the best team in the Pac-12, and they lost week one to Auburn, who's like the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC. So uh, I think the Pac-12 is done. They're all fighting for the Rose Bowl, like Adam said. And uh, I'll take Boise State today, not Pac-12 related. Adam, we're going to move into the Big Ten here. We talked about this team earlier, but Maryland uh, has uh, has uh, sunk their teeth into a solid number twenty one position. Yeah, I, I mean Maryland. Holy cow! I don't know anybody saw that coming. Um, but again, they they're playing Temple. I they're going to throw up another fifty plus today. The question is, is can their defense keep doing what they did? last week and and, and the previous week. So I'd like to see, you know, if they can maintain this level of intensity, uh, they're going to be a a tough out for the rest of the Big Ten East. You know, I totally agree with you. Who saw saw this uh, coming with the Turpins? Uh, uh, Rick, let's uh, move on up the list here to number 20, Washington State. Yeah, the Fighting Mike Leaches, I like them. That's another Pac-12 team that – Nobody ever thinks about, but you know, at the end of the season, they're sitting there like nine wins or something. Uh, I don't think they're New Year's Six team, uh, you know, New Year's Six bowls, but I do think a strong season, another strong season, because their their offense they put up a lot of points. Adam, uh, Rick wouldn't give us the Iowa Iowa State uh, talk, so we'll let you talk about Iowa number nineteen in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Iowa features two of kind of the two top 
15 prospects for the upcoming NFL draft and AJ Espensa, defensive end and uh, Christian Wirtz, uh, an offensive tackle. Uh, when you've got a, a rock star left tackle and a stud defensive end, that's a good recipe for success. I think uh, Iowa wins the in-state matchup. Um, despite the fact that Matt Campbell's a great coach, I just don't think they have the talent this year. Um, for what could be a team in Iowa that's contending for the, the Big Ten West with, uh, with Wisconsin to try to get to Indy. Rick, here's another team that wants to come to India as well, and that's Michigan State. We talked about them earlier, uh, but uh, but Sparty is uh, locked in there at number 18. Yeah, but when it comes down to the end of the year, I just don't think they have the horsepower to compete with, like, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, those, I, I don't know how the Big Ten breaks down in divisions. Uh, I mean, Adam can help me out with that, but I just don't think they get to Indy this year. Even though they're a solid team year in and year out, I don't think Michigan State gets to Indianapolis. Uh, Rick, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Adam, uh, we talked about UCF earlier, but what are your thoughts? UCF number 17 in the top 25. Uh, yeah, I mean, UCF's a really good squad. I was just looking to see if there's any status on Wimbush. No updates as of yet, but sources are indicating they think he's going to play. If Wimbush plays, like Rick said, I think UCF. Mm-hmm. It's a bl- total blowout, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, you're fine. I was going to say UCF rolls, I think, if Wimbush plays. Rick, one of my teams that I like to just watch for fun, and it just maybe it's the military connection, but I love to watch Texas A&M, no matter what they're ranked. But they're ranked at number 16. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah, and a really good team, too. I mean, don't look at that Clemson game when they went to Clemson. Uh, they were competitive for a while in that game, and I, I think they're going to have a really strong year. Uh, they keep getting better and better. Uh, I don't think they can compete with Alabama. I don't know how their schedule breaks down, but maybe they're almost uh, on the tier where they can compete with Georgia. If, if Georgia is a step down from Alabama, I don't know if they really are this year or not, but they're a top-five team in, in the SEC, definitely. Yeah, Texas A&M. Let's give them credit. I mean, they they. I mean, we we uh, we we recognize a lot of the service academies, Army, Navy, Air Force, but let's recognize Texas A&M. I mean, let's uh, for what they do for the military, and certainly they produce some of the greatest generals, and even a uh, president by the name of George uh, Bush Senior, which is where he's he's buried at, and they have a heck of a fight song. So hats off to Texas A&M. I I love that school there. They're next to IU. They're one of my favorites to watch. So, I, you know, I hope that they can put things together. Uh, Adam, we're up to you. The Oregon Ducks, number 15. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, Oregon, they'll probably be in the Pac-12 championship competing for a New Year's Six Bowl. They're playing Montana today. They'll win easily. I mean, the, the question for them from a long-term perspective is, do they have someone in the pipeline after Justin Herbert goes pro? Rick, you know, coming up here, we got Wisconsin, and then you've got Penn State, and, and of course, Michigan's in, in the top ten. We've got, we talked about Maryland being in the top ten. Let's talk about the Big Ten for a moment. It seems like the Big Ten gets snubbed in the playoffs every single year for whatever reason. We, get, we can use that argument and strength of schedule, but at some point, the committee's got to look at the big 
at a Big Ten school, possibly Wisconsin, most likely Wisconsin or Ohio State, if it's not Ohio State. Of course, I know Adam Weiss was going to say, well, it's always going to be Ohio State. Of course, it's going to be Ohio State. In, in the recognized from the Big Ten, it's always going to be Ohio State. But at the same time, it just seems like the, the top three slots in the, in the playoffs is already committed. We already know who they're going to be. And, and then it's going to be, is it going to be a Big Ten school? Is it going to be somebody else? And it's always going to be a conversation between Ohio State and somebody else. But the Big Ten is really, I think, gotten a lot better. And that brings us uh, to Wisconsin at the number 14, Rick. Well, that now you're talking about something that's uh, – I, I, I really like – I don't know how, how to word it, but it, it plays with my emotions because the Big Ten would be in the playoff every year if the playoff was expanded to eight games like it should be. Or six but games at least. It needs to be eight teams, an eight-team playoff. I mean, you get your five uh, conference champions in, which conference championship games are pointless, but you'll get your five in, and then you have three at-large bids. But when you have somebody like Notre Dame, it goes undefeated like they did last year, and for some reason, every premier team in the Big Ten has a bad loss somewhere along the way. So when you stack that loss up like Ohio State against uh, Purdue last year and rank that against uh, Notre Dame being undefeated, Notre Dame's going to get in every single time. That's going to keep the conference champions out of the playoff in this current format because uh, it, it's hard to overcome a loss in college football. It really is. I mean, Notre Dame can't have a loss. Notre Dame has to go undefeated. So... Rick, when you have Notre Dame can, can, undefeated can, like can, last year, that knocks out teams like the Big Ten or Pac-12 champions or anybody like that. Rick, my brother from another mother, I love you, but we say this every single week. And Adam, would you agree? Would it help Notre Dame a lot if they joined a freaking conference? It, it, a, I would love Notre Dame to join a conference. I would love Notre Dame to join <laughs> because I want Notre Dame to be in the Big Ten, honestly. But. I would okay. I would love the Big Ten just because of the historical aspects of it. But for crying out loud, Clemson should have to like answer for the fact that they will not play a single ranked team one time all season. That's complete garbage, and they just walk to the playoff. So I mean, I I would love to see conference, you know, strength actually matter to this to these you know playoff decision makers but it seems like what's important to them changes every year you know nobody really knows what are you looking for what's the what's the key factors i mean last year ohio state had the two best wins of everybody pre-conference championship didn't matter uh because again like if you're talking top six all five conference championships plus one at large I could see you saying one of the conference champions gets excluded if you have a conference like the Pac-12 where maybe everybody's going to finish with like two or three losses and the conference champ has two or three losses and uh, Notre Dame runs the table or Notre Dame has one loss. I mean, by the end of the year last year, especially, you know, looking at that Michigan game, who the heck wanted to play? Oh, he said it. He said it. Hey, hey, Rick, he said Michigan. <laughs> But right. you know, I, 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 say, I think I think an expansion of the playoff is what is what needs to happen. You know, people are crying about one more game. What's one more? I mean, for crying out loud, we've already expanded it from it used to be twelve games to fourteen games if you were in the table. So I mean, I just it's so frustrating. 
and, and, and it's frustrating because I know at some point it, you're going to have the reverse for for seemingly every other, whether it's Pac-12 or, or Notre Dame, and there's never a question of how good really is the Big 12, how good really is the ACC, how good really is the SEC. Meanwhile, pretty consistently every year, the Big Ten puts the most teams in bowl games in the hardest matchups and typically has the best bowl record, but none of that matters. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on it because we've got just a few minutes left before we get into the NFL talk. Uh, let's, let's, of course, we know who the top ten is, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Auburn, Florida, and Michigan. That's going to stay pretty solid this week. I don't think that we're, we're going to see anything majorly change in that, that, uh, that top ten. So let's go ahead and let's kind of uh, tease our NFL segment Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw you underneath the bus here, Adam. Everybody talked about the Cleveland Browns, and I know you got a defense ready to go, and I know there's one defense after another. And but come on, Tennessee Titans comes to town and just totally embarrasses you at home. What happened, man? We were ready to give you the event, the Lombardi Trophy without even having a season. Baker Mayfield, I mean, he was posing with tigers and everything. I mean. It, guys have everything in place everybody was ready for the cleveland browns and then the ball flat on your face against the tennessee titans now i know the colts have their issues too and we could deflect here but let's take some ownership the cleveland browns were not ready for the tennessee titans uh, uh adam <laughs> i you know i i think that was a classic case of you're talking a young team that is, um, I think by the end of the season, I think it'll be a totally different team. The question is, how much with a new coaching staff, um, a lot of new players, how long does it take them to gel? Um, a lot of times you need that adversity to really come together as a locker room. Um, and we'll see. Like, they got their butts kicked. and But it was still, I mean, when you're talking – a minute left in the third quarter, it was a two-point game. And then the wheels just fell off, which can happen in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I, I try not to get too high after a loss. I try not to get – or too high after a win or too low after a loss. This is still a team with a ton of confidence – not a ton of confidence, excuse me, a ton of talent. And I still think they can, they can, they can get it done. It's it unlike college football, one loss doesn't disqualify you. Um, but you know, they got their butts kicked. And frankly, I'm kinda glad they got their butts kicked early than getting their butts kicked late because maybe it, it woke some guys up going, This isn't gonna be a, a walk in the park like maybe we thought it was. Well, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself against the the Jets on Monday night. Rick, any thoughts on the Browns and the Titans? Well, unlike the uh, unlike college football, you can take a bad loss like that in the NFL and be just totally fine. So maybe they do gel together, like Adam said, as the year goes on. But, I mean, Pittsburgh didn't look all that great. Baltimore did, but they played the Dolphins. So we don't know about that division yet. So maybe they're still the top team in the division, but they're going to have to gel because that did not look good uh, last week. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, are you going to stick around for some NFL uh, talk? 
I can stay for a little bit, yeah. Okay. Well, guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official uh, NFL contributor and uh, writer also for SI.com, SportsIllustrated.com, joins us as well, and Rick Riggin and Adam uh, sticking around. So we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the balance. We are almost done, but we saved the best for last. Thank you for <laughs> Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest 
joining us in the first half hour, helping us break down some NASCAR action. It was fun to hang out at the track last week, be boots on the ground for Speedway Digest in the balance, and had a lot of fun out at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, for the Brickyard 400, the 26th running of the Brickyard 400. Of course, Kevin Harvick won that race, uh, a real exciting race, and so certainly, hopefully, we'll get the attendance up in the coming years, and it moves to the 4th of July weekend next weekend, next weekend, next year. We'll see what happens. But also joining us for the last uh, segment or so is super fan Adam Jividen, uh super fan of the Cleveland Browns and the Ohio State Buckeyes and our official college football contributor, uh, Rick Rickett, breaking down all the college football action, which brings us to this, our final segment of the day. Uh, Ed Kratz, our official beat writer for the uh, – Official beat, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. And so cool to say uh, from SI.com, SportsIllustrated.com, Mr. Ed Kratz. Ed, how do you like your new gig, sir? Hey, man. it's <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's go, it's going slow but, but steady, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's coming along. <laughs> Uh, slow but steady, and you know I, I I do appreciate you sharing the news with us before you shared it on Twitter, and and then uh, it was actually a couple of days later he's like, well, the cat's out of the bag now. So hey, uh, so <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad for you, and it really yeah. Join us, Rick Reagan, uh our official college football contributor, hanging around, and Adam Jividan, the super uh, fan from the Cleveland Browns. We were just talking about Ed uh, the uh, uh, loss to. The the Tennessee Titans and so let's let's kick things off with you Ed. What are your we're not by the way we are not talking about Antonio Brown anymore. I put this out on social media. We talked about it a little bit on the opening segment. There's nothing more to talk about Antonio Brown. If you want to listen, if you want to hear about Antonio Brown, all you got to do is is Google him and you'll find plenty of information to follow him. And you know we put up his tech, we put up the stuff. It is out there, so if you guys want to pay attention to it, go right ahead. It looks like he's going to play uh, week one. So, Ed, if you have anything to say about Antonio Brown, now's your time. But uh, let's move on to some what we call real football, and and let's uh, get a recap of week one. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Antonio Brown or the New England <laughs> Patriots, frankly. Uh, um, Touche. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but we can talk about the Browns. I mean, I know Adam's probably uh, a little disappointed with that opener last week. Um, you know, kind of stung, giving up 43 points. I think Baker Mayfield was, you know, kind of a disaster in the fourth quarter with a few picks. And uh, now you're in the primetime spotlight Monday night uh, against the New York Jets, who uh, won't be uh, – they won't have Sam Darnold with mononucleosis. So that that certainly will help the cause a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were gonna we were gonna nail we were gonna nail Adam on that. And I totally forgot about that. Go ahead, Rick. Rick texted yeah. me last night said, "Hey, the balance takes no prisoners." I was all ready for that too. But go ahead. I, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to have him, but they still have Le'Veon Bell. They're still gonna have to stop him. But you know, it looked like Gase Adam Gase was a little hesitant to give the ball that much to Le'Veon last week. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he was really happy with having him on the team or not, but, you know, this is clearly a game the Browns need to go into New York and find a way to win if they want to live up to all that preseason hype they got about being a Super Bowl team. Adam was going to start with you, and then we'll go to Rick. Hey, 
Adam, go ahead. Ask anything you want to ask of the NFL to uh, Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and any comebacks that you may have. And if you want to talk about Mono, go right ahead, sir. Oh, you know, I mean, first off, Ed, congrats on the new gig, man. That's awesome. Uh, Thanks. I, uh, Thank you. You know, I think I think the, the the thing about the Browns Jets matchup this week, we, we, yeah, it, it's it's they got to win. I mean, I don't even think it's – this isn't even a like, well, is it too early in the season for a must win? No. They, they have to win this game um, before um, really I think you could see a lot of internal doubt creep in. So, I, I, I think it looks – they look good. I mean, the thing I was excited about is my, my Super Bowl pick of the, of the NFC, which will make Ed happy, was the Eagles. And once they kind of – Shook off that first half rush, man. I, I see him, Deshaun Jackson, fly up that that right sideline. Sure drew some uh, pretty awesome flashbacks. Well, go, if you guys ahead. remember, uh, I was going to say during the uh, when when we had the balance uh, rotisserie draft, I I think I threw out there that if somebody was smart, they would take Deshaun Jackson uh, sooner rather than later because that's kind of the thing I saw all through camp was. Uh, that chemistry between Wentz and Jackson building. And, you know, Deshaun was in uh, in the city throughout the entire spring, through all the uh, phase one, phase two workouts, when, you know, veterans typically kind of poo-poo that stuff and they don't really uh, take it that seriously or they stay away from it. Deshaun was here the whole time, and him and Carson uh, were always throwing together. So I saw that chemistry building, and I think I recommended in the – the balanced draft, the roto draft, said somebody should take Deshaun Jackson. I hope somebody did because I think it's going to be that kind of season. You know, Deshaun's always struggled uh, with the injuries, but, man, at 32 years old, that dude can still fly. No, you're absolutely right. And Rick, go ahead. You're up, buddy. Ed, I did take that advice, and I am the one who took Deshaun Jackson in, in the, uh, <laughs> Good the for balanced you, Rick. league. So, Attaboy. Uh, hey, <laughs> I know uh, – I know an expert when I see one. I even saw your pictures with Deshaun Jackson there. So, uh, hey, uh, next time you see Deshaun Jackson, tell him I said thank you. So, uh, keep putting up those points this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, the injuries, you got, he has to stay injury-free. That's always been kind of the knock on Deshaun is, uh, you know, he always seems to get – and he did have – he played that game with a broken ring finger on his left hand. So, uh, you know, and he was still able to do what he did. I mean, he had – you know, the big thing about that game, too, was not just those bombs, was the third down conversions. You know, he had eight catches in that game, and six of them came on third down, which gave the Eagles a first down. And the Eagles were able to convert, you know, 64% of their third downs, 11 for 17. And that, that's so key uh, in the NFL. That's, that and red zone conversions are probably two of the biggest stats for an offense, uh, in my opinion. And to convert 11 of those, and six of them went to Deshaun. I mean, that, that's something else he brings to the table. It's not just that deep threat. It's he can run the intermediate route and the underneath stuff and, you know, turn third and eights, third and nines into first downs. And uh, let's uh, talk a little homer team here for me, and then we'll get into the games of the week. We certainly want to uh, – we'll, we'll get into the Eagles here in just a minute. Uh, but I tell you what, I was at the track. I was at the race last week, so I kind of missed most of the of the game. I heard the overtime part on the radio out in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the parking lot when I was tailgating after the race. So I heard the, the very end of the game. But the Colts uh, – 
loss and could have won, but I don't put the blame as as much as a lot of national. I mean, I've never seen the national media uh, cling like leeches to a kicker in my world, in my life, since Vanderjet made a stupid comment up in Canada and Peyton Manning said just a drunk kicker. I mean, don't get me wrong. Adam Vinatieri is the best of the best, a Hall of Famer. And that for that, he deserves some respect. These these hot takes about Adam Vinatieri blowing the game for the Indianapolis Colts, in my opinion, is absolute BS. Yes, he's getting up in age, and yes, there there there, there needs to be a plan B. And and you know, but but Frank Reich said it completely right. I am not worried about Adam Vinatieri, and we should not be worried about Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri made a comment on local media this week. He's like, that's behind me, and you don't have to worry about it happening again. And I think if there's anybody, Ed, that we can take at his word, it's Adam Vinatieri. He gets more grief over this one game, game one. And keep in mind, let's, let's forget about that game. We haven't – the Indianapolis Colts haven't won a season opener since 2013. We've done a lot of good things, you know, so winning a season opener is not the end of the world. And to put that cross on Adam Vinatieri, I think is absolutely insane. And I think they're going to be just fine against the Titans this week. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you there, Tom. And, I, and kudos to Frank Reich, because you don't want your field goal kicker to have any kind of crisis of confidence. You don't want to pin a loss on him. Um, but, you know, when you get to be 46, I think he'll be 47 later this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be the kind of thing, you know, kind of the microscope that he's under is at what point does that leg start to lose its pop? Um, you know, I didn't see the kicks. I don't know uh, if they were short, wide. I know one was a PAT, which, you know, you see kickers miss a lot of PATs since they moved that uh, distance back. So, uh, you know, it's certainly something that needs to be watched. But to pin the, the loss on just one guy, you know, I don't I don't really like to do that in any game. Um, because there are certainly plays to be made throughout the course of a 60-minute game that uh, need to be made. But uh, certainly he's in the spotlight after missing the kicks and, you know, creeping up on 47 years of age here. You wonder, uh, you know, he really needs to kind of rebound from that and kind of even for his own psyche. I know he's been through this before. He's been in the league for, you know, for as long as, you know, some people have been alive. So, uh, you know, even but but even as a kicker, you still have that, uh, you know, that mental thing that you have to worry about is, okay, you don't want to start questioning yourself. You want to go out there, you want to rebound, and you want to make some uh, some kicks, you know, as quickly as possible. So I suspect he'll rebound. I mean, he's a, prof- he's a pro's pro, a good, you know, great kicker, Hall of Fame kicker. Um, but it is something to be concerned ballot, about going forward. I would tend to agree. I mean, just the longevity alone and, you know, the accuracy that he's had and uh, throughout his career. But uh, you hate to see the wheels fall off at the end. So you hope that's not what's going to happen here with Adam. But you need to really kind of uh, keep an eye on that situation, certainly going forward. All right, we're going to open up uh, week uh, two to the panel here. But uh, real quickly, I know you guys are prepping for the Falcons uh, uh, for tomorrow night against uh, the, the Eagles against the Falcons. The Eagles had a good uh, opener. Uh, you're, you're still in the hunt uh, for the, the Super Bowl. A lot of people, and, and I tend to agree with Adam and, and other national media, that you guys have a real shot at going to the Super Bowl. Let's not get the cart before the horse. You do have to beat the Falcons right. in step two. And check out that box. So what have the Eagles done this week to get ready for the Falcons, which make no bones about it, are going to be a good team this year as well in the NFC. 
Uh, yeah, well, they practiced uh, indoors a lot this week, even though the weather was pretty good here in Philadelphia, just to kind of get used to the noise that's going to be present here at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, it's going to be loud. And, you know, the Atlanta, the Atlanta organization even pipes artificial noise into that, into that building, which, I, I, you know, should be illegal, but they do it. Uh, it's so loud in there. So they work a lot indoors, kind of prepping with the hand signals and the silent counts and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, again, this is a veteran offensive line that's been kind of through plenty of these before. So, uh, you know, I don't expect that should be a problem. I know Jason Peters sometimes uh, has a false start, but they didn't have any of those uh, against the Redskins. So that's going to be a big key is handling that noise. The Falcons are uh, a little added motivation after they kind of were embarrassed a little bit there in Minnesota. Uh, Matt Ryan threw a couple interceptions. They lost the fumble. Devontae Freeman lost the fumble. They didn't play well. Their offensive line got hurt. They lost the rookie uh, first round pick Chris Lindstrom to a foot injury, probably for the season. Um, but the Eagles have beaten the Falcons the last three years, but they've, those games have been in Philadelphia. They've been very close games and they've played them for, for this will be the fifth straight year they've played them, which is a very odd happening for, you know, teams that aren't in the same division. So the Falcons are a little motivated for this just because I think that there are still guys on that team, Matt Ryan, of course, Julio Jones, the best receiver uh, in the game, in my opinion, uh, that remember those losses and they've been in Philadelphia, like I said, so they're coming down to Atlanta, you know, this is their home opener for the Falcons, a little motivation, having lost to the birds three times in a row. Uh, and uh, the embarrassment of last week in Minnesota. So it's going to be a tough job for the Eagles to get a win here. And as far as the Super Bowl team, I mean, look, the NFC to me has so many good teams in it. You know, I, I am not discounting the Dallas Cowboys. You mentioned they have to beat the Falcons, but they have to, you know, they have to show that they can beat the Cowboys at least once when they play them this year. Uh, because the NFC, I think to me, is just loaded with good teams. You have the Saints, you have the Rams, you have the Cowboys, you have the Eagles, uh, you have the Vikings. Uh, you know, there's good teams up and down the NFC, and it's it's going to come down to, you know, who gets hot at the right time, who can play their best late in the season, uh, and even luck. You know, sometimes luck comes down to it. You need to have a few things go your way. So it's way early. Um, nobody in Philadelphia, well, should be thinking about the Super Bowl. I know they are, but uh, really, like you said, it's, it's you know, September 15th or whatever it is. So uh, plenty of season to go to figure out who's the best team in the NFC. Ed, let's just be very, very clear. There's no more luck in the NFL. Just saying. There's no more luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, and you know they're going to miss him in the, uh, against the Titans, right? I mean, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't luck undefeated against Tennessee in his career against the Titans. Yeah, this is um, true. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Let's open it up. The panel, let's yeah. start. Guys, let's start with the conversation here against uh, – we're talking about – age players and players maybe not what they used to be. Adam, let's start with you. What are your thoughts about Cam Newton? My son and granddaughter, uh, my son's a big Colts fan, but my granddaughter is the biggest Panthers fan. Of course, they live in North Carolina. She's lived there her whole life. That's all she knows is the Panthers. And she was really disappointed in the Panthers. I talked with her uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and I mean, after school, and she was kind of like, yeah, Papa, that kind of, that was a bummer. And she goes, and she she's smart enough to know. She goes, Cam just didn't play like he's supposed to play. And you put that, and I know you got uh, your your son is young, but when you hear kids say that, it kind of like, you know what? You're right. And then we we look at Cam, and he comes out in some sort of scarf, whatever that is. I mean, just a distraction from what he has to say. He did take ownership, but Adam, let's start the conversation about Cam Newton, Panthers, the Buccaneers. And, I mean, maybe the last showing of Jamison Winston as well. Uh, but that loss, 
I think total loss for the for for uh, the Panthers and to lose two in a row that puts them less than ninety percent of a chance to get to the playoffs, Adam. Yeah, you know they've got uh, and zero and two. Uh, they were like a dark horse Super Bowl candidate for a lot of people. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a beast at running back, and they've got some good young receivers. But you know, I I, I think there's coming. Come, we're, we're, we've hit that point in Cam's career where you know Cam is what he is. He hasn't really improved his game. In, in what three seasons he had that awesome year where he took them to the Super Bowl, but where they got worked. Um, but you know, I, I think if he doesn't, it, they are they're another one. They're in a must win in week three, absolute must win. Um, they're in a, an extremely challenging division to even have a shot at missing the playoffs. But Cam has to play better. Period. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Rick, uh, I, I know uh, we're, we're catching back up to you here, buddy. So uh, you, you have the floor here for a few moments. Go right ahead, sir. Well, as far as Cam Newton goes, uh, what, has he got another year left on his contract? Right. Uh, we're seeing all Two these years he'll be taken. gone. He's, I think he's going to be retired after this contract is over. Uh, we're looking at a year now where Ron Rivera is probably going to be fired or let go or whatever the case is be in, in Carolina, Carolina. And uh, I think we're looking at the final couple seasons here of Cam Newton. All these hits from him being a running-style quarterback and all, all catching up. He looks gimpy. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't run. Uh, he doesn't look uh, as fluent as he used to. And I think it's uh, all the injuries have taken a toll now. He's not – He's no longer doing the whole Superman thing anymore. He, he's not that type of player anymore. I think we're looking at the final two seasons, and he's not going to be a guy that's going to stick around and be somebody's backup. I think once this contract is over, uh, that's going to be his retirement. No, you're absolutely right. I was talking with my son last night, uh, and I know that everybody knows I'm a big fan of Clay Travis, and, and not that everything the sun rises and set what he has to say, but he did make a very, very good point that if he – and Ed, you might can, can speak to this. Clay says that if, if Cam cannot compete at the highest level, he's just not going to compete, and that he does not think that free agency is going to be his friend anyway. So I agree with, totally with what Rick says is that when his contract is up here in the next couple of years, he's just going to ride off into the sunset. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly it seems to be trending that way. The Panthers have lost, I think, eight in a row. When you look back to last year, they lost their last six, and now they lost their first two. And, uh, you know, you could say that part of his decline might have to do with that offensive line. It's similar to, you know, the Colts and Andrew Luck's uh, decline is that the the Colts really never uh, did much to address the offensive line. And, uh, you know, the Panthers' line isn't the best in the world. Yeah, they have some pieces in place. I really like their defense. Uh, you know, they have the good weapons. Christian McCaffrey is a beast. You hate to see that kind of talent wasted on a team that, uh, you know, may not make the playoffs. And you could probably say the same thing about Saquon Barkley in New York, another, you know, uh, great talent that, you know, maybe is being wasted uh, on a bad team. But, you know, the, the Panthers could move on from Cam or Cam could even pull an Andrew Luck and say, hey, I just I'm done. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't do this anymore. Um you know, luck has set that trend. So now you wonder, is there another quarterback that's going to do it? And maybe it's going to be Cam, but the Panthers can move on from him. Even after this season, he does have one year 
uh, left on his contract. I think his cap hit, salary cap hit next year is over $20 million. But I think they could release him uh, before June 1st, and it would only be a $2 million uh, cap hit, and, and that would be in dead money. But uh, the Panthers can move on from him just as easily as Cam can move on from the Panthers. So certainly a situation that bears monitoring um, for sure, because, I, you know, look, the Panthers, to me, they were one of my they were my preseason pick to win that division. And, you know, it looks like I got that one wrong. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see them do better with the talent they have. McCaffrey's a good guy. DJ Moore's a good receiver. Um, you know, they do have pieces. Curtis Samuel, I don't think, is being utilized properly uh, in that offense either. But, uh, you know, Cam certainly is the engine behind it all. And if he can't go, then the Panthers are in trouble. Well, obviously, uh, we we're, we're, we we don't have time to get to all the games in week two, but we do want to play the homer card, and and uh, nobody better to play the homer card with us now is super fan Adam Jividen, uh super fan of the Browns and the Ohio State University. I know we've already uh, talked about Ohio State, Ohio State University, but super fan Adam Jividen, uh start us off with the homer card of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think the Browns going on the road is actually a really good thing. Those are the kind of things that help bring a team together. Uh, the other thing that happened um, earlier this week is defensive end Chris Smith, uh, his girlfriend, and um, he was planning on proposing later this uh, this season, um, and, and mother of his child was killed by a drunk driver in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, they've said that this is a really – sobering challenging week for everybody and that and that's the kind of thing that helps pull a team together and can do it quickly I think without Darnold the Jets just don't have enough I think the Browns will win in a in a big rebound and you'll see a lot of emotion from that sideline this week I think it's it's a I don't even know if it's a close game without Darnold but I'll say uh, 31 to 20 Browns. Yeah, that was a sad story coming out of the NFL. Uh, Rick, uh, you guys got the. You guys are hosting the Chargers. The Chargers. Uh, let's not say they dominated against the Colts, but let's just say they got a win. Uh, and let's talk about your home card, the Chargers and the Lions. Well, I mean, just look at the fourth quarter of last week's game, uh, being up twenty-four to six. And then the game ending in the tie is the most lines thing uh, they could ever do. So uh, that, that's totally ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't see the game tomorrow going well. <laughs> going well against the Chargers tomorrow. But it's hard to trash talk a Lions fan because we're used to all of it. We've seen all of it. Uh, I'm actually just hoping for 16 ties so we could say undefeated season. So <laughs> <laughs> what would be the odds of that happening? That would be incredible. <laughs> And Kratz, we're gonna wrap it up and put a boat. Hey, quick question. So, if it's sixteen ties, all right, does that get you into the playoffs? (laughs) Valid point. There's an argument for that. I'll I'll say no. But listen, I I know what to get you for Christmas now: sixteen ties, because I don't think that's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Hey, bomb, bomb. Today, I that slipped right past me there. Ed, we're gonna wrap it up, put a bow on it. Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles for si.com, sportsillustrated.com. Ed, give us a, a preview of week two, uh, the deal makers and deal breakers. 
Well, well, I liked Adam's uh, line about getting out of, out of Cleveland uh, and going to New York, uh, just because I think, you know, you need to get out of those expectations that fans in Cleveland have. Going to New York will help them. So that's yeah, a game I really want to pay attention to. I want to see how the Browns rebound, because I, I really thought they'd make a push for the playoffs. I didn't think they'd make it to the Super Bowl, but I thought they'd at least uh, make a strong push for the playoffs and get in the playoffs. And this is a big game for them. Um, but, you know, Trevor Simeon is one of my game, uh, you know, people to watch too. I mean, uh, yeah, they don't have Darnold, but Trevor Simeon's won some games in this league, so you just can't write him off and the Jets off because he can play quarterback uh, just about as any well, about as well as any backup, uh, I think, in the league. And then, uh, you know, the Chargers, as far as Rick goes with his Lions, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the Lions come to Philadelphia next week, but I, I, the Chargers are pretty banged up. Uh, you know, they have a lot of injuries. Um, I think it's a game the Lions can, can kind of win. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won that game just because I think the Chargers are beat up. Uh, the Colts played them tough last week. I was really impressed with the Colts. I, I think that, you know, that game is certainly one to watch. Indianapolis uh, in Tennessee, that's an early big showdown in the AFC South. So uh, I'm looking forward to that game. I want to see Jacoby Brissett continue to develop. Marlon Mack had a great game on the ground. But uh, defensively, they're going to have to stop Henry and Marcus Mariota. And, you know, the Titans are brimming with confidence after that win uh, last week in Cleveland when they put up 43. So, uh, you know, those are the games. And, of course, the Sunday night game with the Eagles and the Falcons, that's going to be a good matchup as well. And uh, Steelers-Seahawks, it's another good game. You know, the Steelers really laid an egg in New England last week. The Seahawks struggled to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, You know, are the Bengals for real? Is that a real good showing for them? Or was that just kind of catching lightning in a bottle for one game? But maybe the Bengals have something. Um, We'll see how the Steelers rebound and see if the Seahawks can play better. Their offensive line looked very bad last week. So, you know, I could go on and on with these games, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the ones I'm really looking at. Uh, It kind of escapes me who the Bengals play, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if uh, what they have from last week is is the real deal and they can put together a half-decent year. They play the 49ers, um, who, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did not look real good last week through a pick six. Um, So that's certainly a winnable game for the Bengals. We'll, We'll have to wait and see, but... Um, you know, week two, still plenty of drama in this league. You don't know who the real good teams are yet. Well, I guess you do. But, you know, some bad teams, you, you don't know if they're going to be bad or if they're, you know, going to rise up like the Browns. We'll, we'll see how the Browns do. I'm really interested to see how Adams Browns do. Well, at the end of this uh, week, uh, we'll know that half of the teams have less than 90% of a chance to get into uh, the playoffs. Uh, Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, appreciate you joining us. I'd say where people could find your work in Madison Pieces, but. You're just kind of out there, and we appreciate you, man. Uh, any final thoughts or words of wisdom, Adam? Adam? Did we lose Adam? Sorry, I was muted. Uh, I think I think <laughs> you, you, you're we, supposed we, to save that for conference calls, buddy. Uh, uh, week, week one, weird things happen all over the league. You know, I remember a handful of years ago when the Seahawks were in the prime – and uh, they would lose seemingly every year to the Rams, or the Rams are terrible in week one. Uh, so weird stuff happens. Um, I think we'll see some some teams come back to normalcy. Um, they know where they're where they missed. They know where they dropped out. Uh, and, and I think the way a lot of teams kind of punted the off season, there was a lot, a lot of sloppy play um, all over the league. Uh, so I'm looking forward to just seeing the NFL look like the NFL again. Well, Adam, we got one hour between until your Ohio State Buckeyes and my Indiana University take the field at home in Bloomington, and I'll be glad to text you and say, 
See, I told you you could beat Ohio State. Do not take that glory from me. Do not mess with my discount, okay? Don't mess with my discount. Adam, have yourself a good day, buddy. Thanks, you too. You guys have a good one. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Adam Jivin, and always a lot of fun to talk to. Super Brown fan, super Ohio State fan, obviously taking on my Indiana Hoosiers today. Ed Kratz, so glad that you could join us and help us break down week two. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom, sir? Uh, no, uh, not really. Um, like I said, I could talk about the NFL, you know, for hours here. But, um, no, just looking forward to it. Adam makes a great point. Teams punted on the preseason. But there were still some very entertaining week one games. And, uh, you know, I expect more of the same in week two. And, you know, to me, uh, you know, September is always a month for – uh, you know, NFL teams to kind of figure out their identity. So, you know, that's another step forward in doing that this week. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to, you know, just about all the games on the slate. And we appreciate you joining us. Mo couldn't join us this weekend. He had he had a funeral to go to, uh, but uh, he will be joining us next week as, uh, as usual. Uh, Rick, uh, I mean, uh, Ed, where can people find your work in Masterpiece? <laughs> Well, you can, you can hit me up on Twitter at K-R-A-C-Z-E. I usually tweet out all my links, and then uh, SI.com will have my uh, my Eagles stuff uh, here probably, you know, within the week um, once that, you know, once the uh, domain gets built. So, uh, but right now, you just hit me up on Twitter at K-R-A-C-Z-E. Look forward to it. Have, have yourself a good football weekend, sir. Good talking to you, Ed. Thanks, guys. Take care. See you. See you. Ed Kratz, beat writer for Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Adam Jividan, official uh, uh, official super fan of the Browns and uh, the Ohio State University. Rick Riggett, our official college football contributor, joins us. Rick, I know that you're going to join me in the celebration later when you beat Ohio State. If that Come happens, on. I will totally, I will, I will totally join you. If that happens, I yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, wait, wait for the breaking news. What, what, what do you got going on this weekend, sir? Uh, not a whole lot. We're gonna sit around at home. I can play the home card a bit. Can't wait for the Irish to play here. I'm just looking for them to run the score up early, quick and early first half. Get the starters out of there and get start getting prepped for uh, Georgia. Not that I'm overlooking New Mexico here, but the uh, the season is next week. So uh, just what time's the game start? One uh, thirty. Okay, so, so I think two thirty you, one thirty me. Yep. We're playing double double uh, card there. Uh, you know what the weirdest thing, and, and I, this is the other thing that just irritates this. The, the, I'm going to get on a platform and I'm going to get off because we got to end the show here. But Notre Dame is the only college football team. So I pay for this um, on TuneIn. I pay for this. Uh, the premium subscription, which allows me to listen to any NFL game, any uh, any game that I want, college football, whatever, uh, through their local radio access. So it just gives me their local radio. Notre Dame is the only college in my entire package that will not let me listen to the radio broadcast on TuneIn. I literally <laughs> have to go to WSBT in South Bend and stream them to listen. And, get, and that's a promotion. Well, I them. don't know. Yeah. What the heck? So probably I, I don't what know, will buddy. happen is uh, probably what will happen is I'll have IU on on the radio outside of my patio while I, I get ready to smoke my meat. Uh, you know, I, the hardest thing about getting that meat is in those little white papers. But you know, no, nah, never mind. 
That right. <laughs> that was a weed joke. Too bad. Too good. It's a good thing we're in we're in overtime here. So I'm gonna make some pulled pork <laughs> and just uh, uh, wa- uh, watch sports all day. I'm gonna be a homer card myself. Rick Riggin, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? At Riggin underscore Rick on Twitter. It's where I do all my work. I do no right, work bro. anywhere else except for right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep saying you're going to get another vlog app. We'll, we'll wait to see when that happens, man. Let us know. Yeah, but we'll, I don't we'll think I'm going, I'm going to go sports with it, though. I don't think I'm going to go sports with it, though. You're going to go some pop culture? That's cool. For gaming and all that no, stuff? That's cool. No, no, no. No, I'm thinking about something for the vet, for the vets. Hey, there you go. Even better. Either which way, when you get when you get it rock and roll, let us know, bro. Will do, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks, we'll see you. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We're gonna wrap it up, and put a bow on it. My name is Saul Marquezel, Presidente. This has been the Balance. We do this thing every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on social media at T Balance. Thank you, uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Thank you, Adam Jividen. Thank you, Rick Riggin. And thank you, Ed Kratz. We're making our show another success. We'll be right back right here on the balance. We'll be back next week on the Balance Radio Network. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.